KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, September 29th. San Diego's independent budget analyst retiring. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. This Thursday is the deadline for California healthcare workers to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Two San Diego hospital groups say they're confident they'll meet that deadline. One of them is Scripps Healthcare. Here's its CEO, Chris Van Gorder. Yeah, right now I've got 98% of our uh, employees accounted for. So um, I've got uh, you know 15,078 that are vaccinated. Another under 180, they're actually in process of getting their second vaccination. Van Gorder says the hospital has granted medical or religious exemptions to about 570 employees. Flu season is upon us as the fourth wave of COVID-19 lingers. For the third year in a row, the National City Fire Department and Point Loma Nazarene Nursing Program have partnered to administer free flu vaccines to the community. Monique Sawyer is the Associate Dean of Nursing at Point Loma Nazarene University. It comes back every year, and now that we are opened up, if you will, the flu has a lot more opportunities to spread. Just because COVID's here doesn't mean the flu isn't here either. They can exist together. We can be infected with both. Sawyer wants the public to know that both vaccines can be given at the same time. A bill signed by Governor Gavin Newsom on Monday requires mail-in ballots to be automatically sent to every registered voter for all future elections. The practice of sending all active registered voters a ballot started during the pandemic and continued for this year's recall election. Before then, the vast majority of California voters were already casting their ballots by mail. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. San Diego's independent budget analyst, Andrea Tevlin, announced her retirement this month after working at the city for 16 years. Her office was established by voters in 2004 as an independent check on the mayor. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen sat down with Tevlin to reflect on her career. Andrea Tevlin, thank you so much for speaking with us. Of course. Thank you. For those who are less familiar with the city government, what does the independent budget analyst do? The independent budget analyst was part of the ballot item um, because we were switching from a city manager form to a strong mayor form. That means that the city manager is no longer here to advise the council on issues. So that's where I step in, but not just for the council, but for the public and actually for being independent um, because the council members have very different perspectives. So your position was born out of the 2005 financial crisis that the city faced. Right. What was going on at that time and why was it determined that an independent budget analyst was necessary? From what I understand, there was um, a lot of concern about uh, having factual information from the, the staff even at that point. 
Um, the public did not understand the processes. So that's why they felt it, you should be independent because the council is varied and then you have a mayor who is uh, political as well and he's now running the, set, the city with 10,000 employees reporting to him and they thought that this would help the public, it would help the council because with factual information that's how you get good decisions made. You don't get good decisions from a lack of transparency. That was the other issue that was huge. There was a lack of tra transparency here and they wanted those two elements, transparency and independent. So you've chosen to make this position a lot more about transparency than just, you know, analyzing and budgets. the community. Yeah. So, so why was that important to you? I guess just from my experience, I would have been in this field for well thirty some years when I came here, and I just know that that's an important part of the process because they can really make a difference when they're coming to the council or to the mayor um, if they have good information. And I, I just felt a responsibility for it. What was one of the most difficult moments in your career at the city? My most difficult moments <laughs> were in the beginning when no one understood um, what this office was going to do you know, particularly the mayor's office. And um, it was difficult to get into that point where I could convince people that we are here to stay, we're going to do our job, <laughs> we're going to be factual, we're going to be transparent, and that's it. <laughs> and it, it just took a while. What are some of the most joyful moments of your career at the city? I think the most joyful moments have been when People in the, you know, the, the council and the mayor's office and other people in the community and groups got to learn about what we were doing. And then it, it kind of just slowly continued to grow in our work and, our and the respect that people had for us. And that is what made me extremely happy. The city is about to start looking for your replacement. If you could give that person some advice, what would you say to them? The most important thing, of course, is to not be political, but you have to understand politics and you have to, you're in that world all the time. Uh, and you have to be really diligent about it because obviously you're going to have some people who don't, you know, even council members who aren't happy with you. Andrea Teplin, congratulations on your retirement. Thank you for your service to the city and thanks for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria is in Washington, D.C., asking for help on several issues, including the border. After a year and a half of restrictions for non-essential travel, the mayor is hoping to move the needle on the issue affecting border communities. KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell has more from a local business leader who says it's time to lift restrictions. Mayor Todd Gloria left for the nation's capital Tuesday. According to a news release sent out by his team, he'll be addressing San Diego's homeless crisis. 
prices, infrastructure, pollution in the Tijuana River Valley, and the lifting of non-essential travel restrictions at the U.S.-Mexico border. It's Gloria's first visit to Washington, D.C. since he was elected mayor last year. But it's not his first time. He has tried to advocate for the full reopening of our southern border. Mayor, Mayor Gloria, uh, County Supervisor Nora Vargas, they've both been fabulous um, on this issue. Unfortunately, you know, they've been ignored just as I have. Jason Wells with the San Ysidro Chamber of Commerce says he's also tried bringing attention to the matter. Wells hopes October 21st will be the end of border restrictions. And that was KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. The California Corrections Department is appealing a court settlement that would mandate dramatic reforms at a San Diego prison. As Sofia Mejias Pasco reports, the legal challenge is well underway despite over a year of negotiation efforts. Last fall, a U.S. District Court judge ordered the State Corrections Department to make groundbreaking reforms at R.J. Donovan State Prison. The decision came from a lawsuit against the department in which residents with disabilities alleged they were targeted and abused by correction staff. Now, a year later, negotiations over the reforms are coming to a close, but they face another challenge, an appeal from the Corrections Department, which seeks to roll back court oversight over how the reforms are implemented. Corrections officials have said they're committed to improving the prison, but want to make the reforms without the court's supervision. Lawyers for Donovan residents will have to respond to the department's appeal in court by next week. That was iNewsource investigative reporter Sofia Mejias Pasco. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. With the recall election passed, lawmakers say they want to reform the process to remove people from office. But California's number two elected official isn't on board with at least one of the ideas. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. Recent surveys suggest California voters would support changing some of the recall rules, like raising the number of required signatures or having a runoff election to choose a replacement. Another suggestion is that if the governor is recalled, they're automatically replaced by the lieutenant governor rather than a new candidate. But California's lieutenant governor, Eleni Kunalakis, doesn't think that's a good idea. You shouldn't have a system that incentivizes the lieutenant governor to want to see the governor fail. Kunalakis opposed the recall against Governor Gavin Newsom early on. Lawmakers who oversee the legislature's election committees plan to host hearings in the coming months to discuss possible reforms. But any major changes would require voter approval. And that was CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon. Coming up, there's still some questions remaining about who exactly is eligible to receive a COVID-19 booster shot. We'll hash that out next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.
Following recent federal approval for booster shots of the Pfizer vaccine, San Diego officials are urging eligible residents to seek out the additional dose. Here's County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher. And this new authorization for the booster shot is another step in continuation uh, of that effort. And while many Americans are eager to bolster their immunity against COVID-19, questions remain about who exactly is eligible to receive the booster shot. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman spoke with our Midday Edition host, Jade Hindman, to answer those questions. Here's that interview. So starting off, who is eligible to receive a booster dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine? So it's similar to what we saw earlier when vaccines were first phased in. So those who are at the, you know, the highest risk, you know, having severe complications, being hospitalized or, or dying from catching the virus. So we're talking about people that are over 65, those with underlying medical conditions and people who are at an increased risk of exposure because of their job. And that includes a, a gamut of, of industries, you know, healthcare workers, grocery store employees and, and also first responders. Does the CDC offer any guidance about who should receive a booster dose at this time versus who may? Yes, is the short answer. Um, And so there's a should and there's a may category. So people who are 65 and older and those in long-term care facilities should receive the booster dose of the Pfizer. And then also in the should category is people who are ages 50 to 64 with underlying medical conditions. Now going to the may category, that's people who are 18 to 49 that have underlying medical conditions and people who are 18 to 64 who are at an increased risk of COVID-19 exposure because of their job, those things we just talked about. And, um, County Public Health Officer Dr. Wilma Wooten sort of said, you know, if you're wondering if you're in that May category, if you should get it, uh, a good way to decide that is to, um, you know, have a consultation with your primary care doctor. What about people who have received doses of the other available vaccines? Is there any sense of how long approval for booster doses of those shots will take? If you've had Moderna or Johnson & Johnson, officials say you're going to have to wait until their boosters become available. And it's kind of unclear about when that could happen. We know that it's in the works and it's estimated that it could be, you know, a month, two months, maybe three months. So it's coming soon. But yeah, right now, officials saying, hey, if you don't have Pfizer, you're going to have to wait just a little bit. Just hang tight. What are county officials saying about the recent approval of this booster? You know, they're saying sort of right now we're in a good position in terms of, you know, we have more than 2.2 million San Diegans that are vaccinated. Right now, we're not overwhelming the hospital system. We are still seeing some people going there, largely unvaccinated residents um, who are dying and being hospitalized because of the virus. But sort of that this is, a you know, another tool in the public health tool belt to basically keep from overwhelming the hospital system and keep us on a good path uh, as we try to work our way out of this pandemic. You know, we know that research shows that some of the protection that some of these uh, vaccines have, you know, all vaccines, not just the COVID. COVID vaccine, especially in older adults, they sort of wane a little bit. So this is just another, uh, it's really, you know, we call them boosters because it's a boost to your immunity. What are efforts looking like at the county level to distribute booster doses? I mean, can we expect to see mass vaccination sites like we saw earlier in the pandemic? In short, no, we're not expecting to see any mass vaccination sites right now. And basically, that's because county officials say, you know, at least at the sites that they operate, they're only operating at about 14 percent capacity in terms of uh, the giving out vaccinations. So there's plenty of room uh, to grow there. And they say that they have plenty of supply. That's definitely not an issue, something that, you know, we sort of saw um, in the early goings of, with vaccinations when we saw some of these at risk groups being vaccinated, you know, some uh, sites running out of doses. That is not an issue right now. Um, one thing to note too, uh, if you are going to go get your booster, uh, officials are asking that you bring your vaccination card or a copy of it. Um, And if you're someone that has underlying medical conditions, um, you might remember before people are saying, do I need to bring paperwork? Do I need to prove it? Um, You don't need to do that. It's going to be self-attestation. So you just go and say, you know, I have a heart condition or, or, or what have you to get your booster dose. 
So where exactly can eligible recipients go to get their COVID booster administered? Uh, so county uh, health officials are saying, you know, to think about pre-COVID where you got your flu shots. Um, so that includes places like pharmacies, you know, CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid. Um, also, um, you know, going to your primary care doctor, you know, whether you belong to one of those large healthcare systems or, you know, if you go and get it at a community clinic. Um, I will note, though, that, um, you know, even though they're telling people that, you know, first go to your you know health system, uh, not everyone is authorizing it yet. You know, this just came down. Uh, so we know that Rady Children's Hospital, for example, they are giving it to patients. 18 and over and their employees. Palomar Health, they are not um, giving it to patients yet or employees. They're pushing people uh, to go to these county sites. Kaiser, you know, is booking appointments for those who are Kaiser members and those who aren't Kaiser members for the booster doses. Uh, Scripps Health, for example, they say they're hoping to shoot for mid next week uh, to start administering booster doses. Um, And Sharp Healthcare as well, too. They say that they are still in the process of sort of figuring out how they're going to be able to do this. So while the county doesn't plan to open up any of these big sort of vaccination sites, we may see some of these healthcare systems um, if you remember, like, for instance, the Chula Vista Superstation that was down at the old Sears in, in Chula Vista, that was run by Sharp Healthcare with county support. So maybe some of these individual health systems, and especially some of the bigger ones like Scripps and Sharp, maybe they'll be opening up. Uh, we heard Scripps say, you know, they're maybe looking at the Del Mar Fairgrounds to get that going again. So we might see some of these bigger sites, but certainly not ones that are going to be pushed by the county, at least right now, unless demand you know, really increases. And what are health officials saying about the importance of vaccination ahead of the impending flu season? Yeah. And just a note there, too, um, a lot of people are asking, you know, can I get the COVID shot and the flu shot at the same time? Yes, you can. Um, And there is some concern about the upcoming flu season. You know, last year, a lot of people, you know, due to pandemic restrictions, they were, you know, staying in their house a lot, not going out. You know, sporting events didn't allow people inside. Uh, But we're seeing a lot of mixing again. You know, a lot of those COVID restrictions are largely gone. A lot of people are taking off their their masks in, in public places. And, you know, somebody who may be healthy, maybe, you know, talking to doctors, they say, you know, if they have COVID and they have the flu separately, it might not be that big of an issue. Uh, but they, if they get them both at the same time, then that can be even deadly for somebody uh, who is very healthy. Um, and so doctors are pushing for people to get their flu vaccination by the end of October uh, to be ready for a potentially early flu season. And that was KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman speaking with Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu.